I get buckets. And welcome to another episode of the Blue Wire Buckets podcast. I am Dan Favalli from Blue Wire's Hardwood Knox podcast. I am joined tonight by Carter Rodriguez from Blue Wire's The Chase Down podcast and Mo DeKeel, a brilliant basketball mind who worked for the Clippers and the Spurs and has a as yet to be determined titled podcast with Blue Wire as well. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm going to I'm going to do my best Marcus all impression and just pass it to dip Mo real quick cuz I don't want to talk. <laughs> Damn Carter, okay. Uh no, I'm 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 doing well. Uh I'm 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 doing real well. Uh interesting game we just had. It was it was such a weird game, man. Like it was there was this weird stretch where like early on the Raptors were down 10 and I was thinking they don't I feel like they're playing well enough to be much closer than 10 and then they were down like 10 later in the game, I'm like, how are they within 10? <laughs> right. I thought when Kawhi went off a... in the third that, like, maybe we'd get a game, and then they just, they, like, laid down at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It is bonkers um, how bad everyone who isn't Pascal Siakam and Kawhi have played these last two games. Yeah, Could we also talk about Pascal trying to end Joel Embiid's career really quick? <laughs> and it- That was an all-time interesting moment, because... Pascal did an insanely dirty thing. So inherently the ref was like, oh shit, we got to break this up. But then those guys are like, boys, they're really tight in real life. Right. So nothing happened at all. It was this weird escalation. <laughs> it got, if refs were that quick to break up a fight when there was actually going to be one. Yeah, but like it, it kind of goes to it as like, I go harder against my friends than like strangers, right? Like, when I'm playing pickup and I'm with- good, good to know Dan tries to hurt his friends. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's Mo trying that's to hurt me. his friends, not Dan. Oh, that's Mo. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't try to hurt them, but I go harder. I want to beat you. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure you know, and I'm going to talk about it all day. Just a random text message of like, oh, you remember that move I put on you? Just, you know, I'm a bit of a jerk in that sense. And you kind of could see it there. Even with as Siakam's going up to dunk and beats like, no, I'm not allowing this. <laughs> like, you know, and, and going in for that block. Like it was it was just an amazing thing. By, by the way, could Siakam's hand have been further away from the rim when he got blocked? <laughs> <laughs> he was literally like on the edge of the backboard. So like there was just no way. Like Embiid had clearly shut off the angle by a mile and he shouldn't have even tried to go up. No, it, at that point, it, it, it was it was crazy. But that's kind of like Embiid kind of likes to be a little bit behind you on those and to get that block. And so it kind of like he he's like, all right, I'm just a half step behind. This is perfect. And and, and that <sighs> that worked perfectly for him. Uh, Wiped him out like two plays in a row. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, though, in, in this game, like I just think. It really impressive from Philly Embiid came out from the beginning and, and, and really was like okay, I'm going to really kind of put my presence out there. Um, and then again, just for the, the Raptors, just the size of the Sixers is, be, is is too difficult for them. They got out-rebounded again at, by 10 this time. The 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 bench that was supposed to be the, the strength of the Raptors going into this series, I mean, God, they've been god-awful. I mean... They haven't... I, dude, I don't think it's a hyperbole to say that nobody... that. 
not a single player on the Raptors bench has done a single good thing no. <laughs> in the last two yeah. games. <laughs> Literally, zero. Like I don't think Ibaka has made a neutral play in this series. No, and it's just been terrible. I mean, and like Fred Van Vliet's been like just atrocious. One point today, he had zero. I think game two. I think it's just Oof. it's just like it's and he's playing big minutes. He's playing twenty one minutes. I'm like, this is a guy that. You need to be cutting down his minutes. He needs to- how though? Well, the the honest truth is you have to play your starters longer. And and there are times where he has Lowry and Van Vliet on the court together. I'm like, no, that can't happen. Yeah. Whoever Yeah, that the Sixers. That's not the, this is definitely not the series for that either. Even if even if those guys were playing well. Like Philly's just too big. It's just yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's even their starting lineup, their smallest guy is JJ Reddick, who's around like what, six four, six five? Like that's, that's, that's kind of crazy in that sense. And, you know, it was funny because so many people were very dismissive of the Sixers win in Toronto. And it's like, I, you know, I kind of was just looking at it going like, well, you know, Philly didn't play all that great. And, and they, they pulled out a win that I thought was more impressive than most people think. I said, you know, then they get another great game from James Ennis today, 10 points. Uh, Greg Monroe was, was pretty solid, um, except for getting uh, hung on the rim on one play. I don't know if you guys caught that. I certainly yeah, that was great getting That's stuffed that. by the rim. Oh, and, and you could he he wanted it so badly. <laughs> he, he took that. He he got it and he took that step. Like yes, I'm going to dunk this ball so hard. Oh, you know, and 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 just that thing. It's just a whole thing. And and Brett Brown has done a phenomenal job making adjustments. I mean, game two he had. Embiid on Siakam, so you think Toronto starts working on things on how they could take advantage of that matchup and to start this game? Nope, Embiid's on Gasol. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was that was really surprising that they went back to that, but I think it was the right move because it did feel like that was kind of a gimmick that was going to be figured out. I think that's part of the reason, like, you know, I wasn't necessarily underplaying the victory for Philly in Game Two, but I I definitely thought. Hey, this Harris on Gasol thing—it's not going to work long term. And they—if they're smart, they'll figure stuff out to to beat that because that's not you know particularly sustainable. Like I, I figured they were going. I my expectation was they were going to put Embiid on Siakam again, and Siakam was going to run like the wind in transition, and Embiid would not either be able to or want to keep up. Uh, and they just flipped it back, and I I feel like there's just both in game two and game three. Each punch by Brett Brown has not been met by Nick Nurse at all. No, I don't. Dan, how do you feel about it? No, it, it definitely has, and I think you can look to. I maybe there was a. It seems like there was less of a Baca tonight overall, but I'm also not sure what is the adjustment from Nick Nurse necessarily supposed to be. I know Mo said play your starters more, but when you're looking at who the Raptors have available on the bench, you are going to have to play them at some point, and I'm not sure which lineups make the most sense um having Ibaka on the floor with Embiid at all now is inexcusable though that that much I think we could say and this might more be a testament to how much they miss slash would have needed OG in in a series like this oh absolutely another long lanky guy would make a huge difference for them and, and I re- he's pretty good I really thought we were done with the two six foot guard lineups like I thought we were past that part of our Raptors life and we're just not. No, and it's just a, it's just weird that he keeps staying with that. And and I know there's the whole thing of like, this is what got us here kind of thing. I'm like, yo, but this is also what's going to send your ass home. So you. So are you just giving those minutes? Like, uh, is it just 
like who else is playing? Is it Norman Powell? You want to see him play more? I just don't know. You look at the personnel, yeah. and I don't know who what else there. I I totally agree that that backcourt is just a nightmare. Philly's just way too big, but I also don't know what else you can really do. I think I think the the way you got to look at it if you're Nick Nurse is first you got to try to stagger these guys. You know we. Kawhi had a phenomenal third quarter, and like you said, Dan, you thought these guys were about to make a game of it, um, and then those guys ended up blowing the uh, the. I mean, the game was over before Kawhi got back into the game, right? And at the fourth, and and I think it's one of those things where you have to start staggering guys. You know, you can't have Lowry and Van Vliet on the court together. So Lowry plays thirty eight minutes. Then guess what? Van Vliet should only have played ten. It should have been those those ten minutes that that Lowry didn't play. And you just got to work your rotations that way and, and start putting in smaller pieces so that you don't have Norman Powell on the court at the same time as Van Vliet or something like that. You got to start working these rotations a little better. And this is something that Brett Brown has done all year with his Sixers guys, right? Like we rarely have a time on the court where you don't have a either an Embiid, uh, Harris, Butler, or Simmons on the court. You usually have two of them at least. So, you know, he's he's always kind of doing that. So I think that's where uh, Nurse is getting his butt kicked. Yeah, it's I'm I'm trying to kind of like do uh, pulling Houston Rockets and doing a, a little audit of the Raptors here, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out right now kind of like wh- where I personally want to assign the blame because yeah, it, it feels like I want to poke at Nick Nurse here because the the not matching Gasol with Embiid. Um, playing these weird bench lineups that are a little too bench heavy. Um, and the thing I really noticed that I don't understand is they just are so content to let the only weak defensive link on the floor in JJ just hang out on Danny green. Like, can we not do some cross screening or something weird to get to generate some switches or to at least make the defense react? Cause it just feels like how often do you feel like that? I, I feel like they're not attacking JJ or Tobias at all. It feels like every every set they run, every every action they they run ends up with them attacking Butler, Simmons, or Embiid, and that's like that's exactly where you don't want to go offensively. Like they should be mustering. I know that their bench stinks, but they should be mustering more on offense against this team. And you can't lose. I, obviously, not having Kawhi Leonard on the floor is that's going to be a detriment. And I get the stuff when. Van Fleet's playing with Lowry, but if you're going to lose the minutes when you have Lowry, Siakam, and Gasol on the court without Leonard, no, that really no, is no. a big problem. I don't care who the other two guys are for the Raptors there. Do you think it's schematic, though? That's that's my question, Mo. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about this. Like, Do you think it's schematic uh, where it's they're not, they're not attacking the right parts of the defense, or do you think it's just a matter of execution? Because... I mean, not only are they not attacking the right parts, they're not playing very well either. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a combination of everything. Um, I know it's a little bit of a cop-out, but like Danny Green isn't a guy that you I feel like sets a ton of screens. I'm sure I'll get well actually for that a little bit later. But, um, you know, so so I like the idea of attacking Reddick and, and, and using Danny as a screener, you know, especially like a cross screen to, to you know, get Brinkus all over or, or uh, Kawhi or whatnot. They were doing a good job of moving Kawhi around a lot to get him more space. Um, but at the end of the day, it just didn't matter. Um, but you're right. I think they need to find ways to attack, especially JJ in that lineup. Um, I think with, with Harris, it's, 
it, it's something that it looked like they tried to do early with Siakam, and it looked like he had a little success early, but slowly flamed out uh, in the second half. Um, but it's it, it's it's kind of you just got to go back to the drawing board, and this is what this is why I love playoffs. It's just because you know it's you you have to go back, and if you're Toronto, you're going you're you're driving back to the hotel tonight. If you're the coaching staff, you're going to be up all night watching film, stressing about it. You're going to eat some really bad room service, freak out about it. You're going to have a meeting in the morning. You're going to feel crappy because you just got your butts kicked and you, and you, yeah. you know, you're eating a burger and French fries at like midnight, um, slept maybe three hours, woke up and continued trying to figure out what to do. I think they have to go back to the drawing board and just kind of put together a game plan. They have, they play on Sunday, right? Game four is on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got some time. So you got two days. You're gonna have a you're gonna have some sort of walkthrough or film session tomorrow, and then you know on on Saturday you're gonna you're gonna go on the court and you're gonna try to start working some stuff out. I think it would be smart to put JJ in more screens and things like that. And and but you know for Philly they're so used to that though, and JJ's so used to being picked on defensively that I I I, I would be interested to see how they react to it. It's something I'm sure Philly's ready for. Yeah, that I mean, it's funny for all the schematic things that you know we could suggest. I and I hate to say this because it really does like sound make me sound like a caveman, but it feels like Toronto's biggest adjustment offensively is just to not play like such cowards. They're generating <laughs> they're generating good looks every possession that they are passing up on. Like this Philly team is long and athletic. When you when you get a sliver of an opportunity, you have to take it. Because I, I think they're letting perfect be the enemy of good offensively. Yeah, I mean, but Mo before we even went on air was talking about how Gasol has turned into just a ball pusher for them, and Kyle Lowry is—I don't know if he's like trying to throw the series and get quiet to leave Toronto or something. Oh, I just—he's been—he's been awful. He's making even when he shoots and he's taking like these simple shots around the rim. He's just—he's on the floor all the time. He's missed too many bunnies. That's been super bizarre and I don't want to oversimplify it there but that seems like so much of the Raptors' problem is if you got Gasol to uh take even half of the wide open threes that he's missing or you got Kyle Lowry to be more aggressive more yeah, same with Lowry Lowry is turning Lowry is turning down open threes to to attack a closeout that from a 6'10 Ben Simmons who's immediately going to recover it's just like you you just got to take it like I'm I, I don't know what else to say like if they they need to be getting up way more of these shots because ultimately they're just turning into worse shots later in the shot clock. Right. I mean, there was a great example in the second half, very early in the second half, where there was a, a situation where Gasol got the ball wide open on the wing and he ended up just not taking the shot. The the Raptors oh, made like four yeah. or five more passes. They ended yeah. up getting like a Danny Green drew a foul or something like that. But that's a shot that Gasol has to take. And if he's not going to take it, it's easy to defend him. It's easier for Milwaukee. I mean, sorry, for Philly to defend him. You know, Philly can just lay off. They know he's not going to shoot. It's one of those things. It's like, man, if he's not going to shoot these shots, we don't need to defend it. He only took one three tonight. He really needs to be averaging three, maybe four a night. Because if he starts making, if he makes two of those, they got to go the rest of the way. They got to stay with him. It's going to spread the floor and create more space. But if they don't, if he doesn't take them, it's 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 like that phrase. You, you, you you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, and and as bad as that cliche is, it sure as hell is true tonight. Um, before we get to Nuggets Blazers, has 
the over the past two games has the feelings for either of you uh on the entire series changed at all um well i will say this and sorry as you can probably hear my dog just rustling around in his kennel right behind me um uh you know i i was kind of like i was of the opinion that this was going to be a long series and a lot of my friends and people around me that I was talking, they were like, oh, Sixers and uh, Raptors in five, like, you know, because this Philly team has been kind of uninspiring all year. But I just thought that both these teams present a lot of problems for each other offensively. Um, and and really, I thought points were going to be hard to come by. Uh, that wasn't true in game one. I think it's been true in game two. And before the Raptors let go of the string, I think it was true and even a little bit uh, today. Uh, with a few exceptions and some better than expected shot making out of Philly. It, it just felt like it was going to be a long series. I, I, I still think the Raptors are going to win this series because I think the adjustments and just the regression to the mean are there. But I I mean, if they lose game five, then I, I think they're probably going to lose the series. As a Raptors in fiver, I still think they're going to win the series too. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I, I think, before I had the Raptors winning this in six, maybe seven. Um, now I think it goes to seven and it's a toss up. I just, yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's, I am surprised not, not just by Philly, but I'm really just surprised by how bad the bench has been for the Raptors. And, and, and I mean, worthless really, I mean, really it's almost, I mean, we've been talking, we're, we're trying to rack our brains about how to, how do you fix it? And I'm, you know, I'm basically Make like, shots. screw it, screw it. Play these guys, play the other guys 48 minutes, no breaks, you know? And, 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 and I know I sound insane and crazy, but it's like, that's how bad that bench is. And that's been a strength of theirs all year, right? That's all we heard all year was how deep this team is. Um, Anobi goes out with a appendicitis and, and now they have that issue. So um, it's, it's interesting how you lose one guy and, and everything sort of falls apart. Uh, but yeah, I, I was surprised like you, Carter, like people who were like, and, and I'm a little bit disappointed in you, Dan, not really, <laughs> not really, but I was surprised by how many people were like, yo, Raptors in five, even after game two, they were like Raptors in this thing, they're going to win three straight. And look, Joel Embiid's been playing on one leg. I just figured that that might catch up with him, but apparently he's, he's fine judging by what happened tonight. <laughs> Clearly. So I just, I'm, I, I think I always thought it'd be a long series, but I thought the Raptors would 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 win it now it's now it's kind of pushed to a a too close to call situation for me and i think it goes seven and 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 god knows what happens and carter's right yeah. if raptors lose game four this thing's done yeah conceptually yeah i think i said game five whoops mm-hmm. uh yeah i think conceptually i think my logic for picking the raptors is still in play but like that's kind of the fun thing about the playoffs is like at some point you just got to execute and the Raptors are executing at a much lower level than the Sixers. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. Cause Ooh, that was there. I, I would, I hope for the sake of the series that that humiliation in the fourth quarter where the Sixers were, I mean, Embiid was windmilling and they were just flexing on them every possession. Um, what didn't represent a spirit breaking because as a Cavs fan, I know, what it's like to see the Raptors <laughs> get their spirit broken in the playoffs. Well, let me ask you guys this question. I'm sorry. I know we want to move on, but last question for you guys. Do you think the Sixers celebrated a bit too much? I don't know, man. I think that's the energy they play with. I think. Yeah, that, is it I, weird I, that I, I wouldn't fear? Like, if this was another team, I wouldn't do that against the Warriors. But who on the Raptors really, like, I'm not afraid of that team come yeah. back to 
punch me in the mouth functionally. That's yeah, just, I just they're they're a really good team. Off. It's just I don't view them in that way. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Sixers thrive off like this Aryan energy. Like that's kind of a part of who they are, and like that's when like they're having fun. I feel the same way about the Warriors. Like if they're flexing on you, that means they're actually in a really good spot mentally. Right. So I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that's I think there's a real chance that Toronto, you know, fractured a little bit there, and I hope that I'm wrong. Hope that's we'll probably know by the sure. first quarter of game yeah, that's four. A, too. That's a great point. If they get punched in the mouth again, I'm gonna be not feeling great. <laughs> it's gonna be scary. Um, the Blazers knotted up their series with the Nuggets at one-one with their ninety-seven ninety victory on Wednesday night. Uh, the Portland's defense on Nikola Jokic, they were really striving to just, he was double teamed. I don't know how many times. And so Mo, I don't know if, if you think that that's like sort of a sustainable model for them because they did give up a ton of quality looks, but I think the nuggets were four of 18 on wide open threes or something uh, ridiculous like that. Do you see that just hyper aggressive scheme that they went at with Nikola Jokic sticking and, and being sustainable over the life of the series. I, I think it, it can be in the sense of as long as you don't double the same way over and over again, I think when you do that, it allows, and, and, and really it's anybody, any, anybody, any big who's used to being double teamed kind of sees like, Oh, they're coming from the top. Okay. This will be easy the rest of the way as soon as they pick it apart. But if you mix up how you double when you double it, kind of just throws them off balance. I think that would be, uh, that's how it would remain sustainable. The thing is too, with this game, I mean, the Nuggets had like 23 offensive rebounds and it just, and they couldn't convert on any of them. There was one play where they had three offensive rebounds on the same play, ended up getting fouled. The guy misses the free throw. They get the offensive rebound off the free throw and still don't make a basket. Like, you know, that's, that's crazy. And I just can't see how, Portland would survive if they did that again. And then the other, does it? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. On the flip side, I'm still waiting for the Dame game. I know he had like 39 in the first game, but it was, you know, kind of like a very quiet 39, um, which sounds weird alone to say that, but it, it was. And, and I think, you know, we're still, I'm still waiting for the Dame kind of explosion, the Dame time kind of thing. Um, CJ saved their asses yesterday in the second half. And, and and I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I think that the point you made about uh, the Nuggets kind of missing, kind of not being able to convert on uh, their extra opportunities and and just clanging some shots. Does it kind of feel to you? And this is a bit of a nebulous um, way of framing it, so I'm sure stat nerds are going to hate me for this, but like it feels like they have a lot of shot makers and not a lot of shooters on that team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like guys who will intermittently get really hot, but no one who I'm just like. I consistently trust to shoot well. Yeah, no, I, I, that's kind of been my fear of this team the whole year, you know, is Jamal Murray can give you 31 night and he can give you seven the next, like it's, it's kind of a shaky thing. They don't like Harris is the closest thing to a shooter they have. Like other than that, it's like, you know, like Barton fell off a cliff this year. What is, has he just been hurt all year? I I haven't, I haven't paid close attention to him. He's been so bad since he he came back from that hip injury. Yeah. And and that's a hard thing too because the hip is it, it it's tied to everything. It takes a while to come back from that. Probably doesn't take much to tweak it again. Um, it's it's kind of a challenge, I think. And I wonder if that's someone who they just need to cut from the rotation at this point. 
if they just need to give all of his minutes to Malik Beasley, who at least has had a pulse. Yeah, and and that says a lot about the Nuggets that how much they depend on Malik Beasley to do off the dribble these days. Yeah, yeah. well, that used to be Barton. Barton used to have that kind of extra verve um, in that spot. And I, I do like Torrey Craig, and I think he's been good. But yeah, Barton, you know, imagine how much better Denver looks if Barton is his, you know, 15 points a game self from last year. Yeah, and it's but even then, is there anyone that you know, that would change the point that you just made. I mean, there's still, or even yeah. specifically in those 10 or 11 minutes where Nikola Jokic is going to be off the floor per game, even if it's, you know, eight minutes. Is, he off, is there anyone on the team that you trust to just head up the offense in those spots? And I think even with a fully healthy Barton, I don't know that that player exists on this roster right now. No, no, no. I'm, no. I'm with you. I don't, I don't think I'm scared. You know, you when you when you put uh, Jokic on the bench, you're you're kind of nervous. You know, you're 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 like, please, guys, just 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 give me these five minutes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's. I think there's something that people kind of tend it, tend to underrate when you have these offenses unto themselves. I think as a you know, I'm sorry to keep going to my Cavs thing, but like you know, like people always kind of bemoan to the Cavs for not building a good enough non-LeBron offense. And it was always like, well, it's really hard because when he's out there, you don't really want to put him in a box. So like everyone kind of has to fall in around him. So when he sits, then you're kind of inherently in a little bit of no man's land because you're not going to like build two whole offenses that everyone has to learn. Um, I feel a little bit the same way about the Nuggets. Like Jokic is so integral to their identity as a team that all of a sudden when he sits, it's just like, oh, well, I guess we're just a bunch of basketball players now. <laughs> There's no real rhythm or rhyme to what they're doing. Well, it's it's what scares me about teams that only play one way is because yeah. of that, you know, and, and, and when that one way gets taken away, you're screwed. And 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 I'm con- that's what worried me about the Nuggets. That's what worries me about the Bucks. That's actually what worries me. Maybe you should worry about the Blazers too. <laughs> <laughs> the Blazers as well and Houston, you know, um, like all these teams play several, you know, don't have several different ways to play. So when you take the main one away, you know, what are they going to resort to? And it's like, when you look in the cupboard and you're just like, ah, crap, it's empty. That's what worries me about them. And, 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 you know, with, with this series, I feel like it's whoever shoots well, which is obvious. It's pretty obvious, right? You shoot well, you're going to score, but um, it's, it's, we've seen games where, where they just, the team that shoots at the best has the most going tends to defend a little harder and, and try a bit better. So it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see what the crowd looks like in Portland uh, for game three, because I think it's going to be going nuts. And I wonder uh, what that does for Denver. I have a question that's going to sound mean spirited, but I don't want it to be mean spirited. It's actually kind of a value neutral question. Do you guys care about this series? Like what are the stakes of this series for you guys? Well, I don't have, I feel like I don't have stakes in any series other than my predictions. This to me though, was the series this round that I was most looking forward to. Yeah. I think Um, the basketball is interesting, but I don't, I, this feels like the least narratively loaded series I've seen in a while. Well, because you're fighting to be slaughtered by Golden State, yeah, I guess. Right. Maybe there's just that inevitability behind and, it. And they both, both teams got their moment. Right. That's, that's like, I think both teams can walk away from this postseason feeling relatively pleased with their performance. You know, I mean, I think maybe there's a little bit more pressure on Portland to at least make a conference finals with this core that's a little bit older, but like it, 
it does feel like a little bit of like, oh, well, I guess we're just going to go play some basketball here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Carter. Like it's, it's, it's the one I'm least invested in. Um, yeah, narratively, and, it's just weird. It's just kind of like, okay, cool. Um, I'll let's let's watch the game. I'm a little more tied into it because I have a buddy of mine who's a diehard Blazers fan, so I get nothing but text messages from him about it. Um, and, and and I love it, which is great. So I don't because he might listen to this. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you know, but I think it's one of those things where it's it, you're right. It's who's going to get their butts kicked by Golden State, basically. I think Portland has a little more on the line. Um, again, just because, like you said, they're the older team. And I think for for them, you know, they've been here before. They've been to the second round. You know, this group hasn't gone to the conference finals. I think that matters more to them, whereas the the, the Nuggets are like, hey, man, we're, we're, we're kind of playing with the house's money right now. Yeah, we, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like cynicism on NBA Twitter specifically about like, how it doesn't really matter when you get knocked out. Like, oh, you know, second round or conference finals, whatever. Like, dude, if I'm a fan of a team, I'm like, yeah, I'll go as I'll go as far as I can. It's way more fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and if I'm the Blazers, I'm way more proud of myself. I'm a conference finalist. I was one of the best four teams in the league. I can tell myself that, you know, even if it's not necessarily like, you know, by the letter of the law true. I just, I don't know. I, I think there is value to, to, to getting past this series. And I think we'll learn a lot about these teams, even if it doesn't feel like the stakes are that high. Yeah. Is is anyone at all potentially uncomfortable with how much Portland might now need Rodney Hood, even when they already needed him, given that Mo Harkless sprained his right ankle? Ugh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not in the business of, of wanting to count on Rodney Hood after after a pretty tough year and a half with the Cavaliers. I mean, he had a good game in game two, but that's just – that's big uncomfortable. If all of a sudden you're looking at it, it's like, oh, he's going to have to be our second best wing for us to be okay. Well, I, I mean, like I I come from it's almost always impossible to replace a Mo of any kind. Um. <laughs> oh, you son of! <laughs> I had to do it. Uh, I had to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does scare me a little bit that we're 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 depending on Rodney Hood, who's been wildly inconsistent or just consistently bad, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and 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 that's definitely troubling for them with uh, without without Mo Harkless just being down another big I mean I'm surprised Portland is doing what they're doing without Yusuf Nurkic and I think Carter that's, that's where our, that's where our fun would have been had Nurkic been healthy for this series big old Bosnian goon oh this would have been fun man sit. him and Jokic going at each other I mean we, we'd probably get a, a a couple of punches thrown I know we had a fake dust up yesterday the other day but that that didn't mean much um but I think we would have really had some fun animosity. Uh, I still can't figure out how much he actually matters for them. Like, and I feel like it vacillates like on a day-to-day basis for me. Like Nurkic is like, sometimes it's like, he's like the key to them being able to hang with some teams. And then sometimes it's like, oh, Canner does like 80% of it. (laughs) So like, I can't, I can't figure out how much he's a free agent, right? They're going to have to pay him. Canter? Yes. No, uh, no, Nurkic. They paid. No, he signed that four-year deal. Oh, yeah. he did. He did. So, I'm sorry, I forgot they locked him up. The, uh, the but the thing is too though, like before he got hurt, he was balling, dude. He was having. Yeah, the best yeah. I mean, I think career. he's super talented. I think, I think he, I think he mattered for them because he really helped them when CJ was out and kind of, sort of kept everything afloat for and and kind of allowed Dame to be Dame during that run, um, because he was balling. So 
I, I, I think he matters a little more than you might think, Carter. Yeah, well, he, it's, well, to be clear, I'm not saying he doesn't matter or that I don't think he matters. It's like I just can't figure out the extent because like and I, I jump back and forth really regularly because sometimes he just plays like such an asshole. <laughs> like he plays I'm like a myself. jerk, like where I was like, ah, I wouldn't want to play with this guy. But then sometimes he's like very disciplined, is a really adept passer, really good scoring around the bucket. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're actually really good. So he's just he's just a really interesting player for me. I'm sad he's not playing. I don't think he would have helped them. I'm more of the mind that he's always been a little overrated defensively and that he probably doesn't do too much to help you with Jokic, um, but that he alleviates far more offensive strain for them than he's ever make. received credit for. He can play make, and they actually don't have that yeah. many guys who can generate offense on that team. No, I mean, I mean, literally, he's Rodney Hood. Here he comes. <laughs> Yikes. Will it kill you, Carter, if Rodney Hood has a good series? Like, will you just be really uh, frustrated? No, I- no, I don't root against the guy. I just, I mean, he just wasn't, I wasn't sad to see him go, but you know, there are only a few people who I really reserve uh, ire for uh, from that season. Uh, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. <laughs> I, will, I will never, I'll never forgive Jay Crowder for when he got blown by uh, for a layup by Taj Gibson from the left wing three point line. <laughs> That's wildly specific. Oh, I, I, I'll never forgive him for it. That's why I was like, "This is our stopper. Can't can't slow down Taj from twenty feet." Um, but yeah, Rodney, I was like, "Nah, well, you know, he he he." Sometimes you just are who you are. Right. Fair. He showed us who he was Fair for enough. the Cavs. Um, I believe that does it for us. Unless anyone would like to add something about how the Rockets are done. Oh We're- man, they are so done. That's loser nice. mentality begets losing. I'll say it has nothing to do with the talent differential. Carter said it. Just, <laughs> just kidding. It definitely has a lot to do with the talent differential, but also <laughs> the Rockets are insufferable. I'm, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm in agreement there. Um, so that does it for us. Uh, I am Dan Favalli. I was with Bo DeKeel and Carter Rodriguez. Um, be sure to follow Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods, and we'll talk to everybody on the next episode.